This episode of Beyond is brought to you by ForHims.com, F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com. Do not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. 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 Beyond, and welcome to IGN's Beyond, episode 550. My name is Jonathan Dornbush. I am your host for this very momentous episode. It is, of course, a big landmark, 550. And what better way to celebrate it with the most classic Beyond crew of all time, myself, Barrett, Bam Bam, Courtney. Uh, Holy shnikes. There we go. Uh, Tom, (laughs) the pie man, Marks. Hello. And Tina, not at all Amini, Amini. Oh, thanks. I like that. I was wondering what I was going to get. Yeah. That's a great one. I like that. Well, I was also just going to be like the boss, but that seemed too simple. Yeah, yeah. To do that. I like that one, yeah. Uh, so we are going to go through a lot. Obviously, it's a big episode. We are going to look back on some of our favorite PlayStation games from every generation of PlayStation consoles, including PSP and Vita. We did not forget. Uh, we're going to go through that a little later in the show. We're also going to answer your questions. Reader mail, rapid fire is back. We're going to hear from the Facebook group of Beyond. We are also, though, going to start with a lot of news. It is a sort of a post-E3 time, but games don't stop anymore. It's very dry yeah. out there. So we have a lot. You mean the heat or the gaming? No, I'm just, I'm just talking about like new stuff. Uh, like, I feel like we're, <laughs> we're scrounging for scraps this week, you know? But the more we think about it, I think stuff. there's a lot to talk about. Today. Yeah, there's some cool yeah. stuff to talk about, but it's not a lot of stuff. It's and, more uh, like cultural stuff than new stuff. But yeah. that's stuff. Yes, yes. It is that stuff. counts as stuff. And we are gonna jump <laughs> we are gonna jump into, of course, one of the, the biggest games of the world, probably the biggest game, Fortnite, with season five starting later this week. Uh, as you're listening, season five may already be happening because just so you know, mm. Beyond is now going to be airing Wednesdays on beyond.ign.com. You can get it on IGN, beyond.ign.com, a full 24 hours earlier than you can get it on any other platforms. You, of course, be able to listen to it wherever you do normally watch it on YouTube, listen to it on And what time specifically on Wednesdays? It is 3 p.m. PT, I'm going to assume. Pacific Standard Time. There you go. Yes, Uh, so 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes. All other time zones, I don't have a web. You'll have to do the map. You'll have to open up the Google does that. Yeah, Google will do it. Figure out all the time zones. (laughs) Yes, but so uh, look forward to that new schedule. You, of course, be getting the usual Beyond and your usual crew as we talk about everything PlayStation. But of course, Fortnite, season five, there have been a lot of teases happening. The rift happened in the game. There was that massive rift explosion. There have been multiple rifts, and now pieces of the game are appearing in the real world. We've seen the Der Burger appear in the desert. Yes. Uh, a bunch of llamas are appearing all over Three Europe. Three llamas. There are mm-hmm. even more now. They found oh, more. Really? Yeah, uh. in Poland and a few other countries. Have people Three opened the llamas? I don't know. I haven't. <laughs> I feel like that. that. Like I feel like people need to open the llamas they're, to see if there's anything yeah. cool in it. They're asking for it, right? Right. right. Like, like I, I would. Pinata. That's the whole point of the uh, the llama in the game is like you go and you open it up and you get a bunch of cool loot. To loot llama. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, but so these things have been appearing in the real world and disappearing in the game. Mm. Uh, the Durberger mm. did at least. Uh, so there have been all these little teases of the rifts sort of being interdimensional travel. And then we're also getting these small teases, including uh, these images that have an axe, which a lot of people thought was the God of War axe. Mm. It is not. Uh, but we've seen that. We've I seen don't know. Corey Barlog said some he, stuff on Twitter. Corey Barlog did officially <laughs> confirm God of War's assets were stolen we can confirm. by Epic Games. Uh, no, of course not. Uh, Corey was just having a very fun joke with uh, mm. Nick Chester from Epic. But they, uh, so we've had that image. We saw a mask. So I believe a kitsune mask mm-hmm. uh, is one of the first teaser images. So do we all assume it's going to be sort of like 
uh, pulling from all of time. Oh, yeah, I assume there's a real life years. Fortnite. <laughs> drop everybody into a map. Since stuff was re- appearing in real life, I thought I, I assumed that's what the case was. There was also like a Western carriage that appeared in the game, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mo- in uh, Moisty Meyer, I believe. Yeah, like mm-hmm. a wagon, yeah. and then and there was else. there was like an anchor, I think, yeah, dropped somewhere else. Mm. Yeah, it's it's this weird thing where it's probably going to be like some sort of like you said, like interdimensional, all crashing together. It kind of gives them free reign to just do whatever they want at this yeah. point, which isn't really far off from Fortnite already. It makes sense for the rifts too, because if stuff is just getting like sucked through them right. and sucked out of them into the real world, then yeah, you can play around with anything, any kind of time, time differentiation. I too. do, I do love that they took it out of the game. Yeah, when they put it in the real world, yeah. is like <laughs> if they had just been like, oh, here's this thing that's real, then it wouldn't have been nearly as cool as like this is getting sucked out of the game. Yeah. It's such a funny, <laughs> weird ARG. Our Earth is now canon in the Fortnite universe. Right, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're part of the war. Uh, I'm such a new Fortnite player. Like the rift at the like the very top and like in the sky uh i started playing fortnite i think like three weeks ago and now like post it was definitely post e3 i don't i don't remember when e3 was like a year ago at this point i hope Um, (laughs) it feels that way and we're already prepping for comic-con oh god um and so i started recently playing fortnite like two or three three weeks ago and when i looked up at that rift i thought it just always been there in the game (laughs) but then like i learned and then i saw the video of the rocket going through like all of these different portals and and rifts and whatnot it was was you need to write like a diary entry of what it's like to just join fortnite as a new player like what's with all these llamas and like this thing in the sky and people are getting excited. Why is it it easier to get a victory royale on Switch than it is getting a championship in Mario Tennis? I don't know. (laughs) Save that for your personal Mario Tennis podcast. Yes, I know. Every Thursday is on... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, But so yeah, it's clear that they are, I would presume, keeping with the same map and it'll just be sort of terraformed as they have in the past with these new seasons. The big question that I have for all of you though is where does Fortnite go from here? Like having objects from the game appear in the real world is such a really cool and clever marketing ploy but like what do you do for season six how do you top this it's, it's do more legitimately it. Fortnite in real life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I the think, only way. I think the the we were talking about this yesterday. I believe with uh, Goldfarb was, I think the next big thing you should do is like have your stuff, like if you're trying to do this ARG weird stuff, mm-hmm. have whatever's in the map appear in other games. Yeah. And like, if they're trying to do like a cross promotion, like they had John Wick a season or two ago mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. if they want to do more partnerships like that, they Thanos could, sit, obviously. yeah, yeah, like you yeah. could sneak in like their weird stuff into like other games and patch it and like people can find it and can be this whole like thing that people discover like, oh, what is season six going to be about? Well, yeah. the, the God of War thing was like, not real, right? But like, <laughs> also, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, they that's have a done pretty, crossovers in the past, right? And that would be a pretty funny promotion, like you're saying. Of maybe, maybe that will be the inspiration for something. Like, where, like uh, God of War gets like DLC, and it's like this whole side quest, and at the very end, you see like the hamburger head, like, <laughs> <laughs> that, like stuck in a wall, or so you're like, oh my god, that it's classic happening. Norse god Durber, <laughs> <laughs> but Dur is spelled with like three J's, so yeah, it, it works in the picture. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have to assume they're going to keep escalating it with each season, though I the thing about different games, obviously Epic makes the Unreal Engine, so there are a lot of games already licensing Unreal, so there are partnerships in place that establish that precedent. Are there any games you would like to see have things appear in Fortnite, or that you think like Fortnite should cameo in those games? Mm. Is there anything? Mm. PUBG. <laughs> I want, yeah, I want to see that happen, because yeah. PUBG is one of those games. PUBG uses Unreal, so like... 
I feel like it would be they've had so many conflicts in the past of like butting heads here and there back and forth that it would be really nice to just see PUBG and Fortnite kind of come together and be like, you know what? Let's coexist for That'd be for a far day. too promotional for them, though. It would, yeah. it would be, yeah, it wouldn't it ever wouldn't happen. happen. But I think it would be really funny to see it happen. Yeah, yeah I, I can't think of anything specific of, like, games that use Unreal that I would want to see in Fortnite or the other way around. So mm-hmm. Shovel Knight. Yeah, what do you want to see? Shovel Knight everything. Ooh, yes. Shovel Knight I want great. Shovel Knight yeah. and Smash. I want Shovel Knight and Fortnite. I want Shovel Knight everywhere. I mean, he is, basically. He's in pretty much everything already. It would make sense in, if he shows up. He's Fortnite. in the Banjo-Kazooie ripoff by the people who made Banjo-Kazooie. Ukulele. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and the, the shovel would make such a good pick, right? Oh, it it oh, sells yeah. itself. Oh, my God. Sells itself. So, I mean, now that essentially it's been put out into the world, Corey, please make it happen. I would love to see the God of War axe. <laughs> I think that would just be, like, an awesome... If that's your weapon that you're, uh, you're picking down things for for resources. You have to be able to throw it and recall it, though. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. Right? Yeah. That'd be a little too... That might be a little too OP, though. If only like some certain pay to win, yeah. And but that's not what Fortnite's about, though. Right? So yeah. It's pay to look cool, and I've <laughs> yeah. yet to do it. I've yet to get a battle pass. Well, especially after for the next season, after Thanos has been introduced as a playable character, I don't know what other crossover could be as big as the villain in one of the biggest movies of all time. Darth Vader. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Star Wars crossover. Anything yeah. Star Wars really? Yeah, and that's totally possible because they already worked with Disney on Thanos. So like, just another step. Yeah. Too played out. Too played out. There's an, <laughs> a Darth Vader or just Star Wars? <laughs> no, uh, Darth Vader, Darth but Vader. Star Wars, yeah. but Darth Vader. After the Rogue One scene of him destroying everything, I don't know where else you go with him. Right. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that's yeah, everything to do with Fortnite. Uh, so obviously season five will be coming later this week. We will find out what actually is happening, and then we can begin our season six predictions yeah. almost immediately. <laughs> um, I'll do it. Jumping from there, though, we were talking a little bit about God of War. Um, some fake news, I hate that term, but some news happened that didn't actually happen this week of, uh, people thought there was a God of War Netflix series in development. That is not true. So how did this whole rumor thing start? Like what happened? So I believe the president, it was sort of like, yeah, Twitter is normally where everything (laughs) happened. Um, it was, I think someone just stored us like a very low level site just presented the idea of like, I have heard rumors of a Netflix God of War show. There's a fan made poster going around of an actor. I think it may even be a Jason Momoa fan shop of him mm. as Kratos. Mm. And people there, were, there have been discussions about him wanting to yeah, play as Kratos. Play Kratos. Before, yeah. and, and there have been issues where uh, like a fake Dexter poster got passed around and everyone was like, Dexter's returning. So these yeah. fan posters go around all the time. Yeah. And I think people took that as a sign that the Netflix show was a real thing. Uh, Corey Barlog, the director of God of War, of course, turned that down. But I think the idea of a God of War TV show or movie is really exciting. Uh, do, would you, first of all, would you want to see that adaptation? Or yeah, do you why like not? Netflix is good as what they do. Yeah. Would, and there's a precedent an for it, too. Well, yeah, to an extent. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, would it be game canon? Would it be the original series? Would it be the new setting? What like, do you want it to be? I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like... I feel like they would have to do Norse, right? I think if they went back to Greece, it would be very, like, jarring, especially if they're trying to make, we don't know this yet, but if they're trying to make more God of War games, presumably in the same setting, then, like, wouldn't you would want it to continue with that. Um, I'd love if it was similar to the game story, but not beholden to it in the same way that movie games that are just the exact plot of the movie are usually garbage. I feel like that goes the other way too, where if you just take a game and turn it into a movie exactly, it's usually not very compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but It'll be someone's side story or something explored in more detail. Right, something like that too. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd be game. It'd yeah. just have to be the right 
people and the right production and the right script and all that stuff. Eight episodes of Mamir telling you stories in a boat. <laughs> I mean, I'd yeah, be super good at that. I would watch, there's a show called Jim Henson Storyteller where it's basically... Um, an actor who's playing a storyteller giving a different like short story every time. And I just like the idea of like a series where it's Mamir telling stories of Norse mythology. Oh, yeah. yeah be, I'd be down for that. Just like animated or something? Yeah. That so, I'd be I'd be awesome. A, a Mamir animated TV show of just Norse myth would be so cool. <laughs> anyway, so his head though? Yes. Yeah. Like just in the corner the entire time, <laughs> yeah. staring at you. Like a new clippy, just narrating <laughs> the entire time. I thing. see you're having issues with your yeah. book. How many? I mean, he's as chatty, so yeah. oh, yeah. true. Um, I've been, I was thinking about this a lot, uh, when we were talking about this yesterday and I, I was thinking about like, who would I even like, if we were to do this adaptation of God of War Netflix, mm -hmm. I think you do an adaptation of like the Norse stuff and then even do like flashbacks to like what his time was like in Greece and get like, mm. a young God of War actor in there. And then Brian Malkowitz, who's in the back, uh, cue up this uh, photo. It's called Barrett's Friend. I got my good friend Yusuf from uh, Ubisoft, who mm. did say uh, we were allowed to use this picture of him. Uh, I think that a uh, goatee is, uh, I think, great for young Kratos. Is sure. this the casting right now? <laughs> yes, yeah, this is your pitch. <laughs> yeah, this so we're diving pitch. into uh, Barrett's dream casting, which involves Atreus wearing sort of like a bubble wrap. Uh, I didn't, <laughs> didn't want to show yeah, the picture yes. of the, the person next to him since we didn't get permission from that person. Of course. So I just put Atreus there just to, you know, just see, have you see, like, having Yusuf next to Atreus. Sure. So to be honest, this is uh, a lot longer than I've ever needed to stare at Yusuf shirtless. <laughs> uh, so thank you for that, Barrett. So thank you, Yusuf. You, want, you want Yusuf to play God of uh, the God of War, Kratos? Yes, and I think Yusuf would want to play Kratos as okay. well. Who uh, would both of you want as Kratos? Do you have any oh, idea? Oh, I don't know. I haven't thought about Putting it. Putting you on the spot. You know? I, yeah. I think that the... Uh, the people, a couple of the people that just do the voices in the game mm. are now become like this. This is the type of thing where Hollywood is infecting games, which is great. I'm totally fine with that. But it also means that uh, like the the guy who does the voice of Balder could just be Balder. Like yeah. he doesn't look very far off. He's a yeah. great actor. Jeremy Balder's Davis does obviously he was in Lost. He's done live action yeah. before, so it it would be weird, especially with that character model so based on Jeremy Davies to not be him. Right. Like, and, and I don't remember the name of the the actor who did the voice of Kratos, but Christopher like, Judge. Yeah. Yeah, Christopher Judge. Like, I don't think he'd be a bad Kratos either, oh, right? Yeah. Like, so if they went I the mean, Castlevania he's route, proven himself already. Yeah, yeah. If they went the Castlevania route and did like an animated series, mm. it'd be, then you just I would do the voice crazy. Yeah, you just need voice actors. Yeah. yeah, I like that idea actually. That voice cast is so great, and especially I do think there's obviously a lot more, especially on a Netflix budget that you can probably do with animation than you can necessarily with live mm -hmm. action. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of live action, I've seen Jason Momoa thrown out a yeah. lot. He'd be uh, good. I've seen Vin Diesel thrown out. Largely, I think, because he is bald. And I also think <laughs> it was like he was campaigning for himself to play Kratos when the original when it was games. the old ones. Yeah, uh, he. I'm pretty sure he has a Photoshop image of himself as Kratos as like one of his Facebook images. <laughs> Don't ask me why I know that. Sure, um, but you, you know. do whatever you do in your free time. I'd want exactly. Vin Diesel in a God of War movie. I don't know if I'd want Vin yes. Diesel in a God of War TV show. Yeah, maybe that's, that's a just... lot of that's eight hours in Vin yeah. Diesel. Yeah, it's a lot of Vin <laughs> Diesel, and I I'm I'm a I'm a Diesel fan. Sure. But I don't know if I'd, I I don't know if you thrive there. Diesel diva, yes. Yeah. I'm a diesel diva. Term? Oh. It is now. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's probably not. I'm sorry, Vin. I uh, run on diesel. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Someone's probably come up with that. I think also <laughs> sure. Jaman Huntsu could be good in the role. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure I recognize Kovath, the name. Kovath, I want to say, in Guardians of the Galaxy. He has a brief cameo in that, and he's also going to be oh, in yeah, Marvel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, he's also in Blood Diamond. Uh, yeah. That helps. He can do it. I think he could be solid. 
Okay. He, like he's a he's a good actor, and I think the role, especially in the new Kratos, requires a lot more subtlety yes. than you would necessarily need with the old Kratos. You just need yelling as a prerequisite mm-hmm. for an actor. Uh, but I think Jamon <laughs> could do a pretty good job. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do we, uh, in terms of with these adaptations, I think Castlevania did it pretty smartly as an uh, animated adaptation. Do you want to see more video game adaptations? There are a lot of movies in development. We have the Gears of War movie. They've talked about so many other movies on the horizon at some point. Do you want that or do you feel like we should Hollywood should move away from that? I mean, if they're well-written, sure, why not? Yeah, but sure. there isn't a precedent for that. Yeah. So that's the problem. It's like, I think we were only recently seeing, like Castlevania was, we weren't even sure. It was a crapshoot and it ended up being good, but that's not ever the case. Like I think more often than not, you can predict that it's not going to be great and that's yeah. going to be the case. That's what I was going to say is I want, I don't really care necessarily if it's video game or not. I just want good stories to be yeah. told. I don't want bad scripts to be funded just because it's like someone in Hollywood is like, we need a God of War thing, right? That That is not reason enough for me to want a God of War TV show or movie. I want somebody, preferably who is experienced making God of War stuff, mm-hmm. to say, I have this idea that would not be right for a video game. It would be right for this other medium. Let's make it. And then support be thrown behind that. Yeah, it'd be cool if they take it the South Park route and have like people who actually worked on like the primary medium go and collaboratively work on like the secondary one that, you know, whatever they're coming up with. Right. Yeah. And at least there's some kind of like investment in it. I think for me with games that are already so story heavy, I think it's hard to do. Like I'm not convinced of like, uh, like they've been talking about Uncharted movie for years. They've been talking about Last of Us movie for years. Yeah. And I don't think you could really pull that off because those stories have been told already so expertly. Um, I think if you were to do like a video game, Netflix series or movie, you should do something that is very minimal on story like Castlevania. I think that's why Castlevania worked out so well because there's like cool lore and stuff, but all they really need to do was like sort of make their own story to put it all into even more context. Uh, and that's why I think like, very vague story things like Zelda or something like that mm-hmm. would be able to work in like a Netflix series. There's something like that rumored a couple of years back as well, which I was like, all you need to do is do Samurai Jack, the show, but then put Zelda skin over it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you got. Uh, that's all you need. Um, so I think it's, if there's a game that has like sort of minimal story and whatnot, mm-hmm. then that you can build off of, I think that's where they can pull it off. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Last of Us adaptation, which seems to have stalled, was a bit more of a direct adaptation. I do like at least that the Uncharted movie that they're going for is like young Nathan Drake. It's basically young Indiana Jones. Mm. So it's not retelling the same story we've played through. We interrupt this program to bring you a brief message from Hims, a new wellness brand for men. Here's a not-so-fun fact. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, and by the time you start to notice hair loss, it's usually too late. It's generally easier to keep the hair that you have than to replace the hair that you've lost, so why not do something about it? For him, Hims.com is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, and other stuff like that that might be embarrassing to deal with in person. Luckily with Hims, there's no waiting room, no awkward doctor's visits, and you can save plenty of time by just going to a website. Hims connects you with real doctors and gives you medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss and other possibly embarrassing problems. And this isn't snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements either. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. If this sounds like it would help you out, order now. Our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just five bucks today, right now, while supplies last. See the website for full details, but this would cost hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or to a pharmacy. So just go to forhims.com slash beyond. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash beyond. Once again, that's forhims.com slash beyond. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. Uh, which is a nice approach. But speaking of Uncharted, 
we learned some fun facts about Nathan Drake. <laughs> Namely, bullets don't hit that man. He's <laughs> the luckiest human being in that universe. Well, they do. They only hit they, him once. They do. And then yes, you die. Yeah. He's, yeah. He gets a one shot. So yeah. um, on Twitter, animator Jonathan Cooper uh, revealed that Drake doesn't actually get hit by bullets until the very last one. He said uh, to quote, Drake doesn't ever take bullet damage. The red UI that shows hits is to represent his luck running out. And so eventually his luck runs out so much that an enemy does actually hit him. And uh, Amy Hennig, who obviously worked on the franchise for a while, did also confirm this, that that's what the implementation was. It would have been cool if they had actually sort of shown that off in the game, but there's really no indication in the game, especially since like the like health bar or luck bar or whatever is red. Sure. So there's like, it's a cool like back end thing to sort of like, Sort of joke about it, like, ah, he's this magic man who, you know, every bullet he shoots hits a million people, but, mm -hmm. like, you know, nothing hits him until he dies. Um, but there's no real thing indicating that. They don't like, why. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so they want to capture, like, the narrative meaning for it, which is, like, mm -hmm. you can't get shot a thousand times. I think they wanted to ground it a little bit more. Yeah, and Hennig did say that they were trying to capture the essence of, like, Indiana Jones in the yeah. movies they were obviously Exactly. Like, I actually have some quotes. <laughs> To contribute to yeah. this conversation, brand new quotes coming at <gasps> you from uh, yeah from from my good friend Bruce Jelly. Thank you, Bruce, for giving me some context on this. He worked on uh, with Naughty Dog for a long time, yes. and um, he said that they made it red because it's dangerous. It like gives you that indicator. And they actually played. He said there were versions in Uncharted where we tried white flashes, but none of our playtest players responded to it. Uh, white wasn't seen as a threat, and no one knew what it meant. So that's no, why it's red. It gives you that indicator. It's kind of like the, you know, a stop sign or the red light on yeah. on a traffic signal. Uh, just kind of gives you an indicator that like this is a dangerous thing. Or yeah. blood. Yeah. Or <laughs> but blood. But not blood. So he, yeah, he said. <laughs> but blood. Yeah, it's he said the shapes not like blood splatters, mm. uh, and we didn't want to make it bloody due to tone, and had a fear that while making it a shooter, somehow it would become kind of like Gears of War, and they didn't mm. want to like lean into that kind of a shooter. Gotcha. Um, and it would just be awkward to do if you really did want to represent. So internally, they called it a hit indicator, mm -hmm. and they mm. didn't want to uh, make it representative of a luck meter, because then what would you do, like a horseshoe or? like a four-leaf clover or something. Yeah. It'd just be weird. Yeah. Like, as a UI thing. Might have had to make him, like, a really bad Irish stereotype. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked. Well, so they went with red. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, he said that the main things that they were trying to accomplish on the design side was indicating damage, that you were in an unsafe position and the direction of the threat so that the player could react. Those were their design goals. And then in The Last of Us, you had the situation where you had to, like, patch yourself up. So that kind of, like, narratively tied that one in for um, for that kind of role. Yeah. My my favorite part about this coming up now, though, is that they then, when people were so kind of startled by this, they then pointed to an interview or an article from IGN in 2007 <laughs> where where the writer was talking about this being a mechanic, that it was actually luck. And it's so funny that little things like that, little details, can sometimes just get forgotten yeah. and, and you just move on and, and you don't really think about it. We just Later. dig up news all the time. Right, yeah. yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and that's, that's what the entire subreddit today I learned is based around, yeah. right? Is these yeah. things that people already knew that are still cool to learn yeah. years yeah. later. Well, it especially makes sense in sort of like the nascent days of a franchise when people aren't that interested in every little bit of minutia about it. Right. For that not to matter to them. But it is funny to see these things pop up. We should probably just start for our new cycle just looking at old IGN articles from like yeah. 10 years ago. And just like, <laughs> things you didn't care about, about before that you care about this now. Yeah. Yeah. It's true, though. People have gotten a lot more invested in like the, the 
behind the scenes development processes and they're a little bit more knowledgeable about them and people yeah. are a little bit more open about talking about them. So you get like these kinds of quotes that we're able to share. Yeah, I, I think uh, they talked a lot about at just sort of somewhere in my mind uh, at uh, GDC earlier this year about the construction of Horizon, and how they went through all these elements of the dinosaurs and until their full evolution. People, when Horizon was first announced, would not have cared that the dinosaurs were these very chunky looking funny block men who <laughs> ran around environments and just slid down the sides of cliffs. But like after that game sells almost 10 million copies, like you suddenly become really interested in every little bit of it, which I love. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I hope little things about Uncharted continue to pop out uh, in the years to come, especially however it secretly influenced Last of Us Part Two. Probably, yeah, sure, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll probably find something. <laughs> More bandages, you know. Exactly. Got to be realistic. We're pulling arrows out of your shoulder now. Yeah, <laughs> you're actually supposed to keep those in. <laughs> you're supposed to break it off because it's uh, bleeding. Oh. Unless you can like. It, just it right that there. demo just still freaks me out. I know everybody, <laughs> like everybody, talks about the Death Stranding, like him pulling off the toenail, which is like also. Uh, no, like, that, that's you're welcome mm. for putting that image in your head again, but also just like Ellie just ripping out the the arrow still just bugs me. And uh, I had actually mm. blocked out the toenail. Yeah, so me too. I that was one of those things we didn't want to dig back up. Yes. Um, any, now the, that any time on uh, I'm on an episode of Beyond, I'm just going to bring that up. The I'm second try T to... in Barrett stands for toenail. Yes. Fun oh, fact. boy. Yes. Yes. So anyway, look forward to Barrett's toenail facts in future weeks. He won't be on the show again, I Every promise. Every Thursday Mario podcast Tennis with Mario Tennis. Yeah. <laughs> we got there together. <laughs> we did. The MT&T Mario Tennis and Toenails podcast. Yeah. Oh, good. Hosted by Barrett Courtney. Yep. I'll be there for the first 30 minutes for Mario Tennis. <laughs> and then I'm out. <laughs> for the last two hours about toenails. <laughs> Uh, I hate this picture we've painted of me. You painted it. What are you talking about? Sure, I did this to myself. You've yeah. painted it with your tennis racket brush. Okay. Uh, moving on to actual games coming out in the future. Um, Darksiders 3. Yeah. yeah. It has a release date. You may not have heard about it much on, since it was in IGN first uh, last year. And it is in IGN first again. All this month you will find out more about Darksiders 3. If you're watching the video show, you can see the latest trailer, Ooh. which shows you Fury, the main character's Fire Form. Uh, which it's is her version of Super Saiyan. Yes. Gotcha. And she's badass in Fire Form, so I will happily take that. Uh, we learned from our first bit of news for the first, uh, Darksiders 3 is now coming out November 27th. So mm -hmm. right this, is a very, this is going to be a stacked fall. It is a it is. pretty mm -hmm. packed fall. But I uh, like that it's kind of at the end of November. It's a little yeah. separated. It's, like it's going to be yeah. a little closer to Smash Brothers. Yeah. Because um, Smash Brothers is the 7th? December 7th. December 7th. Yes. Yeah. Very, yeah. So. Two very different niches in yeah. terms of games yeah, you want to play, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, this is a... For me personally, a long way to title. I've loved the last two Darksiders. Darksiders 2 came out in 2012, and they've done reissues of 1 and 2, but that sort of did not satiate my thirst for a essentially Zelda-like, but with the uh, Horsemen of uh, the Apocalypse, which mm. is a pretty great thing for me as someone who went to Catholic school for 13 years. I like cool games that use biblical mythology. <laughs> uh, so we also learned, though, there's going to be a normal $60 version, a $149 version that includes an 11-inch Fury statue, a premium box, a steelbook, an art book, a soundtrack, and cosmetic DLC, as well as a $400 Apocalypse Edition, which includes everything in that previous edition, plus a wall scroll, an amulet necklace, and then three more statues in addition to Fury of War and Death, who are the protagonists of Darksiders 1 and 2, and Volgrim, who is the main character. So I've it? never played any of that these games. It. That's definitely <laughs> That's the edition that I want, right? The $400, yeah. yeah. If you've never... Uh, Play any dark side. Yeah, yeah, that's the. That's not all right. It's made for you. If you don't go hard, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, then what's yeah, the point? But if home. you've read exactly. Revelations, okay, cool. I'll get. Or don't have an edition for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with Darksiders one and two, those have been 
or the first one was remastered for this genre. Right? Uh, so they've brought both back out. Gotcha. Yes. Uh, gotcha. Darksiders 2, I believe, is the definitive edition. Mm, it's not a fun word to say. Gotcha. Maybe only topped in bad names by Remarstered. Oh, yeah. oh I yeah, love yeah. Red, Red Faction Remarstered mm. edition. <laughs> it's painful to say. Yeah. Um, but it seems cool. Like the, the IGN first coverage that we've had uh, so far uh, has gotten me interested in the game, though. I'm I, I want to see more gameplay, mm. like, and I, I know we have a lot more coming with RIG and First this month, and I'm excited to see more of that because uh, this first gameplay clip didn't like fully sell me yet. I mm. think, and and because it was just straight combat, like, right? It was it was just a mode. really kind of narrow slice of what we're going to see more of going forward, and and it got me reinterested in the series. Right? It got it reminded me that it exists and mm-hmm. is probably a thing that comes from this really good pedigree. But yeah, I, w- I definitely want to see more, and I'm really really excited to do so this month. And possibly by the time you're listening to this podcast, we will have had <laughs> some more gameplay on the site, plug, plug, plug. Uh, yeah. especially plug, if you're plug, listening plug. this. In 2019, uh, the game's already out. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, like you were saying, Tom, I it was cool to see more of the game and see uh, Fury's sort of dexterity in combat, but I do want to see more because uh, Darksiders 1 to 2 was a pretty big jump. Mm-hmm. That they've made it so much more of an open-world game. Like, one really nailed these very cool dungeon Zelda-esque puzzles with, like, here's an item, use it for these puzzles, but 2 really opened it up into such a larger-scale RPG open-world sort of thing. So I'm curious if 3 takes another big step like that or is essentially 2 but a new story. Right. Um, and how much they actually change in the process. Yeah. Hopefully, we find out a lot more, and you will be able to actually stick in uh, to IGN.com for a lot more on Darksiders 3 all throughout the month. Uh, so Do keep it. watching. Here's keep it hand. locked to IGN.com. Keep learning with the audience. <laughs> <laughs> he's, trying to, he's trying to make up for all the toenails off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's not mention it. Let's not bring that back. <laughs> I'm going to bring it up every time. Oh, oh, Jesus. All right, moving on from all of that, Please. Darksiders, toenails, the whole like. Uh, We're moving on to the uh, main discussion of the show. Uh, Our favorite games from each generation of PlayStation platforms. This nostalgia nexus of what we're talking about. Yeah, not necessarily the best game. No. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's a difference. Yes. So these are not the games we think sort of achieve the pinnacle of design and story and everything in those generations, but just our favorite games and why they stick so much in our craw for all these years later. (laughs) Uh, As I turn suddenly into a New Orleans <laughs> cool, smooth-talking guy. Uh, so we're going to start with PlayStation, the original. Yes, yes. X. Not the event. So when did... Not when PS1. Did, so, like, I was very young when the PS1 was a thing. So when did... When was it called just PSX, and when did they just, trans, like, transition over to just calling it the PlayStation? I didn't hear it being the called the PSX it. until I started working here. I'm actually not sure 100% about the timing. I always, mm. as someone who owned one, just referred to it as the PlayStation. I wasn't too embroiled in following games coverage at the time, though, so I didn't know right. if PSX. We were was young. We were like exactly. five. Yeah. No, I thought I thought it was the other way around. I thought, I thought so it was well. the PlayStation, yes. and then uh, they eventually. they added the X, X after yeah. a couple other PlayStations had come out. It was like uh. PS One, right? Like written out the word One, right. as I saw a lot used in like marketing and. Uh, and that's what they call like when uh, on the PS3, like if you had the PS1 one classics. Yes. Yeah. So. What are we gonna do when we hit PlayStation Ten? Oh no! <laughs> they're they're it's screwed. Just an they're, like <laughs> they're just, they'll have to skip it. Just it's skip like it. Win, yeah. like Windows <laughs> yeah, skips nine. True. Like Sony will just have to right. skip ten. There you go. The PS11. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, let's start with our favorite games from that era. Uh, Barrett, to my right. Oh, hi. What's up? Uh, so I never owned a PlayStation One, but my babysitter. Uh, from the time I think I was, uh, <laughs> I, I had to have been five, maybe six, and 
she had a PlayStation 1. She had all these different games, but the one that always grabbed me the most was Crash Bandicoot Warped. Uh, and that was the only Crash Bandicoot she owned, so that was the only one from my childhood that I <laughs> ever played was Warps. Mm -hmm. So when it got remastered, that was the one I was most excited for, and then when I played it over, I was like, man, this is not as great as I <laughs> <laughs> um, Ain't Like, it's still it fun. It's goes. a lesser version. Of, like, it's, I don't, like, I think it's better than one, but it's not as good as two. Yeah. And I think the boss fights, like, going back to them are very disappointing. Like, yeah. they're super easy. Yeah. Whereas, like, as a kid, I was playing these really cool boss fights, like, facing it against Tiny, and, like, the end of the game, it's like, um, uh, the two masks like doing the weird Harry Potter laser beam yeah. thing with each other and you're fighting <laughs> Cortex. It was just like the coolest experience as a very, very young Barrett Courtney in the 90s, maybe very, very early 2000s. I, I forget. When you were <laughs> two years old. Yes, exactly. But was this like your babysitter's way of taking care of you? Just like shoving? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like... Uh, Play the thing, and then <laughs> it every once in a while we would watch Terminator Two, which you know I was probably way too young to be watching at the time. Also a classic, though. <laughs> the two big classics: yeah. Crash, Crash Bandicoot, Bandicoot Warp, <laughs> and Terminator Two. That's a good babysitter, right? <laughs> Clearly, it worked exactly. Yes. And then we would Shout also watch in sync music videos. So you know, Aww, the so trifecta there. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah. Uh, Tina. Hi. What is your favorite um, game on the PlayStation? So, yeah, I also had a sort of similar experience. I didn't have a PlayStation X. Mm. Um, growing up, my parents were very uh, against screens. Mm. Uh, and for those of you not watching the video version, I air-quoted <laughs> screens um, <laughs> because everything with a screen was just one thing to them. Uh, but we did get access because my brothers were pretty sneaky about like making mm. trades at school. And one of the games that they managed to get their hands on was Parappa the Rapper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was a good time. I mean, it was, I think it was like the original rhythm game or one of, uh, so kind of like broke the, the genre for that, um, which was interesting at the time. And it was also cool because during the same time that it came out was also kind of the peak of the like West Coast, East Coast rap rivalry, like in the hip hop world. Yes. Um, rapper, and so the rapper was like one of the big names. Out yeah, there. yeah. You know, like he really was just like to... laying all those he, diss tracks. Who was he <laughs> repping though? Was he West Coast or East Coast though? That's he was middle question. ground. So that's yeah. the thing. That's yeah. the thing about the Rapper the Rapper. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was this very like pure look at, at like the at hip hop at the time where like things were very rapidly descending into violence. And I think it's cute to look at it and like he's just rapping about like getting his driver's license because he wants to impress this girl that he's in love with. Hey, Tina, <laughs> I see to remember some kicking and punching in Pearl. There, the there were, but it was just at the sure. air. Playful. Okay. <laughs> Kick, okay. punch, turn. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like when you're a lot of people. Violence, yeah. like, Violence towards the air is fine. I we can know that. I would love to read a like college essay about Paropa the Rapper. Uh, juxtaposed against like, yeah. East West Coast rivalry. I would read that. <laughs> if you're in college and you're in like, please an English, write this like, for us. If yeah. you're trying to like be an English major, just pitch that as like something that you need to your write. final paper. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because I think it was actually the same year. Like I think uh, it was released in Japan in '96 and then in the U.S. in '97, I believe. And that's like actually the years that where everything went rapidly downhill um, for East Coast versus West Coast. So yeah, moment of silence. Hi, Tom. Hi. Tom, uh, you put down a lot of games. Don't make me choose. <laughs> so this is the problem, is that I was very young when I had, and I, I, I literally messaged my brother last night to try to talk about this stuff and like what games he remembered. And I was like, what games did we play a lot on PlayStation 1? And he was like, we never owned a PlayStation 1. And I was like, 
you're wrong. <laughs> like, I remember this game and this game. And he was like, no, like I played those at my friend's house. Like, and so I think what I've determined talking to my dad and my brother is that we borrowed one from a friend for a very long period of time, but never actually owned it ourselves. But like, you can't ask me what my favorite game was. Cause like Tom's dumb six year old childhood brain remembers like monster hunter or monster rancher being like the best game ever. Cause you could put the discs in and you could swap discs and it was like, Oh my God, this is the coolest. <laughs> but that's valid. It's but not the best game. It's the fate your but favorite then I, game. Then I go back and look at reviews, and apparently Monster Rancher was like a bad game. Like, <laughs> okay. The other one I really remember was Digimon World. Yes. Like I remember yeah. Digimon World being the bomb because you could like attract new Digimon and build up your town and unlock new areas of the island. And then I looked at reviews, and apparently that game was bad. <laughs> and like uh, it just makes me sad. So I think the the, the actual safe bet game I would go for is uh, Worms Armageddon. Okay. Worm, okay. Worms Armageddon I played a ton of when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, like, oh man, Worms was very formative in my competitive life as a child. Um, and yeah, I that that will always hold a place in my heart. The new Worms, WMD, is actually really, really good mm. and lets you tweak settings to basically be exactly like Armageddon. And so, yeah, Worms, Worms holds a very, very dear place in my heart. Uh, and for me, it would be Spyro 2 Reptos Rage. Continue oh, what a surprise. Remastered. Surprise, yeah. Well, you took Crash, so I also didn't want to be like, yeah. actually, I did it Cortex Strikes Back. You need to represent. That's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all of the PlayStation mascots. Uh, so mm -hmm. Spyro 2 for me was sort of the encapsulation in the way that Crash 2 was sort of the best, uh, I think, mix of that original trilogy. Spyro 2 for me was that best mix of platforming, uh, this insane sort of collect-a-thon that you could do, uh, and just really introducing a very colorful and fun cast of characters and a memorable villain, Ripto, uh, for me. Mm. Uh, so I think Spyro 1 was a little bit too simplistic, but it really sort of nailed down the idea. And Spyro 3 I never actually owned fully, so I rented it a lot from Blockbuster. Fake Spyro. And thus man. don't have the best memories of it. <laughs> but uh, Ripto's Rage, I think, is just such a cool uh, distillation that had sort of these different regions that you would go to. You would collect a bunch of different talismans. And like as a kid, I was obsessed with collecting every single little thing in that game. I think I beat it like five or six times. Um, so I'm very excited to see what it looks like in the Reignited trilogy. They haven't shown Ripto's Rage or Year of the Dragon yet, which is the third, but I'm hoping there is a, a spiral panel at Comic-Con. And right before this, right before yes. we, were we were recording, Toys for Bob tweeted out this whole like tease for Ripto, right? Yes, yeah. So my thought is they'll probably show Ripto's Rage proper at Comic-Con, but they've shown off the new sort of Ripto design. Gotcha. Uh, but yeah, this is one of my most sort of like foundational platforming memories is this mm. game uh, and the amazing graphics, obviously. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the character design. But no, yeah, uh, this is definitely one of my favorites back then. I respect it. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with it, but, but I you respect, respect it. it. That's all uh, I ask. Well, these are personal picks, right? No, I know. Exactly. I know. <laughs> uh, so moving on to the PS2. Mm -hmm. Pretty big. My pretty first big PlayStation console I ever owned. Huh. And what was your favorite game on it? Oh, um, there you go. so this is one of those things where I probably, the games I've played most in my life still to this day were probably from the PlayStation 2 era. And I was thinking about it, like there's all these different games, but even the one that I think I might have, played the most and it's one of those games even if I'm playing a video game to this day it's been two generations since then my mom is like oh you playing a game are you playing bully and so like bully was like one of those like she doesn't like thinks of video game bully that's what he's playing uh and I played that game so dang much just because like my mom knew enough to never get me a Grand Theft Auto, but Bully was the teenage like growing up version of Grand Theft Auto where you're riding around on bikes 
beating up other kids, stealing or egging old people's houses and stuff like that. And it was, uh, I really, really loved it. And uh, I played it so much, even the next generation when we got the scholarship ed edition with all the extra classes and whatnot, uh, I was super into it just because I loved the, even going to classes, like they sort of push you like, oh, you can skip class. And like, if you get caught, you get in trouble and all this stuff. But like, even the classes themselves were like cool mini games and whatnot. And I would try to get them done like as fast as possible. Um, essentially, Bully is just the foundation of what I would want a Harry Potter game to be like. Um, huh. And I just, I really want it. And please, I don't know who needs to make it, but please make it happen. Um, so, yeah. You've got Hogwarts mystery. Um, no. That's all you <laughs> Don't make him sad. I know. Uh, do you think we'll get a Bully tune? I've been asking for Bully 2 for so long at this point, And I, I'm convinced no at this point. Like, they brought it to the, it was like the PS2 classic to PS4 or whatever, and I thought like that might have been a sign, but we've really heard nothing, and it's just one of those things. If we if we get it, it'll be down, I think it'll be even next gen um, at this point. I feel like it's too late to really announce it for this generation, but mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, it, maybe Rockstar comes out in a year and a half before this generation ends or whatever, and it's like, hey, Bully 2, you've been asking for it, you've been crying about it, whatever. Here, it's coming out next year. Ryan, like the kids bullied by that bully. I think if GTA, <laughs> That's the real bullying there. <laughs> I think if GTA 5 and GTA Online is any, indica any indication, the better question is not are we going to get Bully 2, it's are we going to ever get a Rockstar game after Red Dead 2? Yeah. Because it might just come out know. and have an online mode added to it or whatever and that they just update forever and then that's, that's all they make forever. Bully like, can just be a school MMO. They'll somehow yeah. make school fun. Yeah, like the yeah. someone in the rocks in like the Red Dead community will make their own version of bully in the uh, in the Red Dead Online. You get skeptical a of all you of make this. School, <laughs> you start classes. Tina, what is your favorite game? Uh, <laughs> so the PlayStation Two was actually my first console too. Yeah, the one that I could actually call my own. Yeah. Um, that like didn't belong to my brothers, so they couldn't kick me off of it. Right. Um, and I played a lot of Final Fantasy X over and over and over again. Thank you. Um, but I have a very personal reason attached to it, and it's because at the time I think I was like twelve or so or so, and uh, I went through a spinal surgery, and it like knocked me out for a few months. And so I wrote this whole thing uh, back when I was at Kotaku about how like. I couldn't do like literally anything on my own. My mom had to like help me brush my teeth. It sucked. Uh, but when I was in the game, I could go and do whatever. And I was like multiple people and got to explore the world and like take on all these battles and how it was just like a really fully realized world while I was like literally bedridden at home for a few months. So yeah. you, you sent that article to me and you're like, hey, if we can yeah. grab anything from this. It was too late. I, I looked at it literally cool. a minute before that. Oh, but then like, <laughs> but <laughs> I read that article like when it originally came out like it's six years five years Some ago, years ago. yeah um and so that blows my mind that that was you and now yeah he, uh, yeah and now we work together <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crazy. and we both love final fantasy 10 yeah and isn't this a good reason to too exactly yeah exactly uh, yeah, I've, I've gone back and played it multiple times over and it's one of the few times that I've actually uh, had like a physical guidebook uh, that I would mm. reference all the time because those legendary weapons, you got to find them and they're oh, hard. Yeah. So yeah, there's just so much to do in that game between like Blitzball and like the regular quests and everything that uh, it gave me a lot to do when I had nothing <laughs> to do and I was all like hyped up on Percocet. <laughs> <laughs> Glad Blitzball could be that outlet. For yeah, you. right? <laughs> None of ours just in Blitzball, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tom? It's tough. Oh, yeah. Sorry. No, uh, sorry. This, <laughs> this was the easiest thing in the world for me. I was looking back at the PS2, and I was like, man, the PS2 had some bangers. Like, that was a good system. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Holy heck. 
Katamari Damacy. That's it was the easiest call for me. Katamari Damacy and we love Katamari kind of as one rolled up ball. Uh-huh. Ah. Because they I, I think Katamari we love Katamari added a lot of like the the co-op and the multiplayer elements were really, really weird and cool and just had it just felt like more better, cooler. Like it, it, I didn't really care about the intricacies of like what one got wrong and the others got right or whatever. Like I didn't care. It was just more Katamari and that's all I wanted in the world. Um that those games are the bomb. They are continue to be the bomb. I, we were talking about it yesterday about whether Katamari would actually hold up nowadays if you haven't played it. And I think pro like the more I was thinking about it, I think it would. Yeah. I think it really is a great game. And the other thing about it is that none of the Katamari games that came out after We Love Katamari have been as good. There was one for Xbox, I think X three sixty or something like that, that was just not just not quite there and there were a couple others that just like weren't quite there there was a mobile one right that just wasn't quite there if you still have a ps2 or a way to play that game katamari damacy is so good <laughs> i listen to the soundtrack minimum i listen to a song from the soundtrack once a week i listen to the soundtrack full through at least once a month like yeah. man that game is so fun and so cheerful and so silly and dumb and i ugh. Uh, we could do a whole show about Katamari. I <laughs> love Katamari. Uh, tune in this Thursday to the Mario Tennis Katamari Toenail Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> a full lineup of shows, really. Yeah. Thursday is going to be quite the spectacle. <laughs> uh, mine, of course, if you're watching the video show, you can tell by my shirt, is obviously also Final Fantasy X. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> obviously, I wrap it constantly. No, it's Kingdom Hearts, of course. Whoa, what a surprise. I know. Really Shocker. going off-brand today. Um, <laughs> no, if you listen to episode 449, our live show, show, yeah. uh, our delightful, really fun live show. Uh, That's I the one we celebrated. We don't celebrate the 50s anymore. We just celebrate the, like, we cel the, the, one celebrate the 49s and the yeah. 99s and that's it. That's just in case do you don't make it to the next one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's true. Of course, I talked a lot about why I love Kingdom Hearts so much back then. Uh, I could decide one or two. Two is the better game, I think, mechanically and sort of like deep dive into uh, why I love that series. But one, like so firmly established my love of that world and those characters and what games could be at that time for like a young me. Mm. That it just opened me up to like, oh, wow, these are games. Like I've talked about how when I first got the game on Christmas, I put it in, watched the opening cutscene, was so floored, I just kept hitting reset Aww. to watch it over and over because I was so <laughs> That's entranced. adorable. This is what a game can do? Oh, my God. That was just a cool <laughs> cutscene. But it was so strange, and then he appears on a platform that has a Disney princess in, like, stained glass on it, and I was just so confused and so enamored with it as a kid who grew up on Disney um, mm -hmm. that it has sort of cemented my love of RPGs but also just that series and my obsessive nature yeah. knowing every little thing about it or I try to um, moving on though uh, PSP gotcha for those of us who did own PSP or maybe played games later on I not I understand not everyone owned a PSP well, I didn't own a PSP but uh, my dad's cousin uh, came from visited Ohio once uh, from Denver and he had a PSP he's not a huge gamer but for some reason he owned one and he had Star Wars Battlefront 2 specifically for the PSP now I prefer the PlayStation 2 Xbox original version of, of Battlefront 2. But I think, I don't know, it's just the one game I ever played on PSP. <laughs> and it was like it was like I a light fall. it was like a light version of the full game, but it was still like you still had the cool modes in there and, and whatnot. So, you know, Battlefront 2 is a great game. I played that one a lot and for Not a the mobile one, version. The old one. <laughs> oh. uh, for a mobile version of that franchise, I really played that a lot too. Mm. That yep. and NBA, those were my big two PSP there games. Uh, in addition to, I'm just going to say very quickly, Birth by Sleep, Kingdom Hearts, of course, <laughs> have to be on brand. Plug, plug. 
Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great... What are you Jonathan, plugging? He's plugging Plug, Jonathan King, Thornbush. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, get ready for the Kingdom Hearts and No Toenails podcast. This I'm watching right. that one. <laughs> I've just won by there being no toenails. Uh, no, I think it's one of the best non-numbered entries in the franchise and introduced a lot of really important, cool characters and then they went and did terrible things to Aqua and now she's evil. We'll get to that at another point. Moving on, Tina, what's your favorite PSP Hi, game? So I, I did own a PSP, but I didn't play it that much. I, I don't think anyone really did. Um, Ouch. Mine is like, well, I mean, I, I have no, no, memories. No, 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 right? continue, continue. I have memories of baseball players being shown specifically being like playing the PSP at baseball games, which I thought was really weird. It's that like, was a what? marketing ploy? It, I, absolutely. It <laughs> Clearly it worked. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so my PSP is currently collecting dust in my parents' house right now, but I did play Burnout Legends, and like Ooh. I feel like that's a good choice simply by the matter of the fact that Burnout is a good series, yeah. and that one stole a lot of tracks from uh, from previous titles, so it, it fits. That math. That's what I'm going yeah, for. It, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Thanks. Anytime, uh, Tom. I got a I got a PSP secondhand from a friend who was selling it after the Vita had already come out. Like it was was many many years after the PSP, um, and I played the heck out of Patapone. Yeah, I'm, I'm silently drumming. Yeah, that that game is so like I'm not even a fan of rhythm games, but that game is so my style aesthetically and gameplay wise and uh, uh, theme. Just like how chipper and silly it is, but also like a little bit creepy and dark too. Like, yeah, it was just. I think Patapone is another one of those games that will hold up forever because they chose a very stylistic kind of thing and they are doing something very, very different with the gameplay. Um, yeah, I never played the sequels, but man, Patapone 1, I think, is just such a good game. Just so, so cute and silly. And when you really get the rhythm going and they like start chanting and cheering, it like <laughs> just makes you feel good about like hitting <laughs> buttons on time. Like you're doing something so silly, but yeah. I, I love Patapon so much. I love how many of your picks have just been about like the joy of the game. It's very on brand for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was joking. Tom, I was like, uh, Tom Marks being joyful. Like, what's going on there? Every every game that I picked like could probably like have been a Nintendo first party game, and like <laughs> we wouldn't have batted an eyelash at it. Uh, moving on to the PlayStation Three, where probably we all had some of the most trouble picking a favorite, oh, one, yeah. except for Barrett. No, uh, Barrett had his pretty much on lock. Well, so. that's because this game, and uh, I'm just going to call myself out. Like only one and a half games are like exclusive Sony games because mm -hmm. you can't really count Crash anymore since Crash is like the remaster at least is on. But it was at the time. It was and at the time. You and, can like, count Crash. Um, but even PS3 generation, um, I didn't own a PS3. I apologize, but I looked at what was going on during that era and I was like, nah, peace out. I'm going to go to the 360. Um, so this is just my favorite game of that generation and my still my favorite game of all time, which is Batman Arkham City. Um, and that is because like the Batman Arkham games got me into like video games as I'm into them now. Like I was very casual. I was playing Guitar Hero and Rock Band and very casual, just like party games before Batman Arkham. And then Asylum came out and I was like, oh, I, I, I need this because I was a Batman fan still. And the design of Asylum very much like made me think of like, whoa, like video games got really cool. Like, <laughs> what was I missing out on? Like, why did I Batman? I know. <laughs> but and that's what City felt like. Where I think Asylum, I believe, is the better game. But I love City more because it's just, it's really just the first ten minutes, and they make you be Bruce Wayne, and you're not in the bat suit, and you have to like climb around as Bruce, and then you put on the bat suit, and then you glide around a city. And that was the moment I was like, I might have teared up as a high schooler, just like, 
I'm Batman. That's <laughs> <laughs> your Abed moment. I think you mean I'm Batman. Yeah, I was gonna say you got to match the voice. I'm Batman. <laughs> there we go. Um, and so, and like even just as a Batman fan, like the cool lore and story stuff that they do, like the side missions that would pop up randomly, They're like so the Mad great. Hatter, like how they sneak the Mad Hatter in, and. Um, like Deadshot, and um, I'm blanking on a lot of them. Is right Azrael in that one? Azrael is in that one. Okay. You don't know he's Azrael yet. Yeah. Uh, and like, there's just so many cool things that like they were hinting towards a sequel. There's the one like I think it was added in a patch later on of. Um, you, there was the boat, and you find the secret code that go inside the boat, and it was te teasing uh, uh, Scarecrow and all mm -hmm. this stuff. Like, there are so many cool things that I played that game for years, and I still play it probably once every two years or so, just to go back and relive it. So even the tiny like world building stuff was really cool. Like you'd you'd fly or you'd glide around, and then yeah. you'd hear like uh, enemies talking <clears throat> on your radio. I know, yeah. those, those dropping those, in on them. It's so cool, just like to hear to hear them talk about like ah, like the back comes, like I'll I'll take them on, and then you just glide in and like smash his skull. And, and then they talk about how terrified they are, and you're like, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the I, I will say the uh, Riddler trophies are the most egregious mm. Ooh, in yeah. that one. Um, I love that Asylum and Night, like the base game of Night, have the same amount of Riddler trophies, and uh, Asylum's very tiny and Night is very expanded. Where in City is the median of size and uh, had like I think more than twice the amount of trophies wow. in both of those games. So, yeah, it was bad. Oh. I, I did it. I at one point only once did I catch the Riddler because I was way too lazy to do all of those over and over again. So. Tina, my turn. You? What did I put? We're on PS3. Oh yeah, I put a couple. <laughs> I, well, I put like five, and then I was like, "All right, Tina," and I deleted a few. Um, I can go either way here. Maybe I'll say Journey. Uh, so I put down Portal Two, Journey, Mass Effect. I had others too, but I'll say Journey because um, I think it's one of the most impactful like moments in a game that I remember. Because I played mostly like solo, because you're supposed to team up with someone, and I played mostly solo, like running into people, but then they'd run off, and I didn't really like get that feeling that everyone else had that the game was supposed to capture that everyone else was talking about and then towards the end like around the midway point I had this one companion and we went through everything together and it was such a bonding moment and then you know the the towards the end when you're like that final cutscene when you're shooting down that uh, passageway yes. up into the air so I you're supposed to do that <laughs> side by side with your companion but something glitched out oh, and no. I yeah I'm like we were we were hand in hand at the time and then we're we're flying through and I'm flying through alone. And oh. I was like, maybe at the other end I'll see them again. And no, oh. never. And then I found out that other people had like flown through together. And it's this like this like beautiful crescendo moment and I missed out on it. So in a way, oh, yeah. Sad. In a weird way, it's like it's like a great moment that I knew I was supposed to achieve that like made this so memorable for me. Um, but it's also just beautiful. Look at that thing. Yeah. That it's one of my like, I don't know what to pick from this era. Uh, Journey is one of the most emotional experiences I've had playing a game. That final, the descent or the ascent up the mountain mm -hmm. when the frost gets to you, mm -hmm. and then everything afterwards, you're just beautifully flowing through this open sky. Are just I was in tears the entire time. Yeah, it's mesmerizingly beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, even in if, even in the game messing up, it's like most beautiful like uh, bonding moment. <laughs> I still somehow found a way to weirdly enjoy it. Yeah, so, there's a yeah, power I felt to like it. that. Yeah, I felt like that was pretty remarkable. Speaking of Marks, Tom Marks. Ah, oh. You and the segways. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was a little stuck on this one because Little Big Planet was one of the first games that I 100%ed and really got obsessed about. Um, 
But I think my answer is actually Valkyria Chronicles. Because Valkyria Chronicles is one of my top five games of all time. I've beaten it on PS3 and PC. Um, and I'm extremely excited to play the third one. Uh, or, excuse me, the fourth one when it comes out on PS4. Uh, although it's coming out on all the systems now. But, man, Valkyria Chronicles is a good game. There's not really anything <laughs> else like it, right? There's It's a turn-based third-person shooter, real-time strategy tactics JRPG set in an alternate reality World War II. Like, it's just the weirdest amalgamation (laughs) of things that shouldn't work, and they come together to make this very, very cool whole. Um, I was also super crazy disappointed because I didn't have a PSP when the second one came out, and the second and the third were only for PSP, and uh, I recently started playing the second one. It's really not as good like it's great because it's still more valkyria but it's just everything they did they did just slightly worse for a lot of different reasons um and i was bummed about that but man the first game is so 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 good and i love the kind of anime hand-drawn watercolor almost art style that it has going on it's a great one yeah valkyria chronicles is just a very 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 good game and very, very excited for the next one. And that one wasn't super happy, joyful. It was about the Holocaust, okay? Uh, 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 well, you also put maybe Little Big Planet, which is a pretty joyful <laughs> that game. Is a yeah. pretty so, we're going to pretend like you out. said Little Big Planet. Okay, okay. Uh, and for me, Journey was one of those ones that was in contention. Uh, quick shout out to Bioshock, which I actually played on 360, but also replayed again on PS3. And it's one of those games where I sort of had gaming fatigue and that brought me back in yeah. and just hooked me at that time. Uh, but I do think The Last of Us is still like, I can recall playing that game in my college apartment sitting in my bed at like 2 a.m. finishing that game or like hitting the ends of different seasons and just sort of sitting there dumbfounded with my jaw hanging literally like wow I can't believe they did that wow I can't believe it went there and I like I cannot wait for two (laughs) I need to know what they're going to do with that game if it can live up to one but this was just one of the most like sort of complete affecting experiences I've ever had with a game um Absolutely. And it's it's one of those things. I played it when I got a PS4 and my girlfriend, who's not really in super into video games, um, would sit down and just watch and just like ride the experience with me. And, you know, at the end of winter like that, all that stuff happened. She's like, what? Why? Why is this video game doing this? What is happening right now? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they do a, such a good job with the character arcs and like diving into their, you know, drama and, and, and trauma rather uh, and how that's affected them and how that changes between the relationship. It's yeah, it's pretty good. I well, only didn't put this on my list because you put it on yours. Mm, <laughs> I'm sorry. Except well, for you, Journey. Yeah, <laughs> Journey, like, I don't mind stealing no, yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> I had a good story behind it. wasn't cheerful enough for me. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not enough joy. I thought you were going to say it was too cheerful for you. <laughs> we're just like, we learned Jesus. a lot about Tom. Uh, moving on to PS Vita. Yeah. Uh, for those who had it. Uh, I wanted to say Luminez. Uh, to be fair, I have not played through Persona 4, so don't knock me for not having that as my one. Uh, but Luminez, uh, I am like... Tetris is one of my favorite games of all times, and Luminez just hit me in the same way that Tetris hit me when I first played that game. And the way it blends the music into the gameplay just was on another level for me. I played that game constantly when I got a Vita. Uh, anyway. Uh, rest in peace, the Vita. Um, rest in peace, Greg Miller. Um, not yet. <laughs> um, I never owned a Vita because, again, I was sort of, I knew what things were, and I knew looking at the Vita, I was like, it's bad. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm just trying to like light all of these fires just so people Barrett it's been great having you on the show yeah. <laughs> alright uh, see Get me out. every Thursday on Mario Tennis 
whatever chat. Toenails. <laughs> um, but I, I know that Undertale is sort of like making the slow roll of being released everywhere. And so I, I, I would just say Undertale. Um, also, I've never played Persona 4, so that, that seems like the only other game that I'd be into on the Vita. Um, but Undertale is like one of my other favorite games of all time. Uh, I very much cried at, like I played through the game and like the neutral ending and I was like, oh, that was fun. That's a cool experience. And then my buddy Alex was, uh, he hit me up. He's like, all right, do true pacifist and get like the ending mm -hmm. ending. And I played through it again two days later. And like my girlfriend who I'd been talking to about Undertale, um, beat it again and I'm like like sobbing at three in the morning <laughs> and she wakes up and she's like alarmed she's like what happened to you like I was like I beat Undertale she's like didn't you do that like two days ago I was like yeah but it's different now <laughs> um and yeah that that game uh is just so it's heartfelt and it's very silly at times and it's very real at times um and I just I love it so if you have a Vita and you haven't played Undertale yet play Undertale and uh, for someone who also didn't have a Vita. Yeah, I didn't have Tom. a Vita either. Um, but I tried to go, like, more downloadable games, right? Because that's what it does, and that's what I knew of it. So uh, one of my favorite games of all time that was on there was Fez. Mm. Uh, just Fez will stick with me forever. I love that the... 100% in Fez is 206%, um, <laughs> which I did. I used to walk through for some of them, but I did do that for this game because I was obsessed with it. Uh, I think it's a lovely art style, very cheerful again, very my style in terms of how happy it is. Um, but yeah, I'm a massive, massive puzzle platformer fan, so this one was pretty easy for me in terms of... Did what. you partake in the community's uh, discovery of the black monolith thing? No, I, I so I played it... Um, Played it a little bit after launch, so I like. Mm, you I, weren't part of that. I, I missed. I missed any of the AR, like mm. any of the ARG stuff or the the hype around it, and I just got to kind of experience what was there, which is a ton. <laughs> it's a dense game. And Tina, what about you? For Vita? so I wrote Rayman Origins, but then in parentheses I wrote, but really Final Fantasy X. Yeah, it's fair. but <laughs> since we already talked about Final Fantasy X, um, which I did replay on the Vita uh, and was probably the most use that I got out of my Vita. Mm. Uh, but Rayman Origins is great because you can like so there's there were I think it also came out on Vita Rayman Legends, but I like mm. Rayman Origins better because it was less about being super collaborative and more about like slapping your friends around, <laughs> including <laughs> even on the loading screen. So I just remember having a lot of like you know good times. Um, trying to beat levels with your friend, with your co-op yeah. buddy, but also trying to screw them over too. That's <laughs> that perfect balance that you want out of a game. Yep. The Rayman platformers, I love those. Mm -hmm. I wish they would do more. Uh, moving on to the final PlayStation console that we know of in existence currently. No, the final one ever. Yep, they're the making no more. Mm -hmm. uh, the PS4. Uh, Barrett, I'll start with you. Oh, okay, we'll start with me. Yeah. Uh, Surprisingly, not God of War right now, yeah. uh, and that's just because Persona Five uh, was personally my game of the year last year, and it's one of my favorite games just this generation in general. Um, and it was my first; it was my come to Jesus moment of Persona because I'd make fun of so many people before I played Five, like mm -hmm. Andrew Goldfarb, people out there like Alex O'Neill, who were just like, "Oh, dude, Persona, like anime," and I was like, "Yeah, cool, I love." Pokemon, I guess, but, um, and then I played Persona 5 for work, and I had to play, like, I basically had to get to the first boss fight, which was Kamoshida, so I had to play, like, 15 hours of the game, <laughs> and so after 15 hours, I was like, damn it, I think I really, really love this game, <laughs> <laughs> and I played it so much so that, like, I wasn't able to transfer the save I had at work to my personal save at, yeah. back home, so I had to play the first 15 to 20 hours again at that's home. That's dedication. And yeah. so, but that's the thing, I got, uh, sort of, like, 
burnt out on it for a couple months and then I left and then I came back and then in a sprint at the end of the year like beat the entire thing before uh 2017 ended and I was just in love with it and that like this is another game where you know it's so cool and the fighting mechanics like feel just slick and everything just in in this game is slick. The you know? music. The UI, the yeah. music, like I owned, the, like I convinced uh, a personal friend of ours, Joey, of like before she even bought the game to buy the soundtrack because <laughs> I had like a theme of uh, Morgana on my PS4 and it would play like one of the like sort of generic uh uh, songs and she was like, "This is this is groovy." Like, <laughs> and so I played it, and it's like this is another game near the end though, where like it also was very emotional for me because it's all about friendship and love and all that sappy stuff. And weirdly enough, that does get to me. Um, mm -hmm. And there are like two character moments where it just really, really messed me up. And uh, <laughs> also, if you get the true ending of just like where the main character uh, is at and where all the friends are at was just very, very emotional for me. So um, that was another weird association with my girlfriend where I had just beaten it and I'm like crying and like it's really like they're all happy and stuff and then she uh like comes home and she's like hey help me with groceries so I have to like go out there and I'm like very emotional like <laughs> stopping myself from crying in public and like helping with groceries fine and I'll take them like, myself <laughs> she's like what is wrong with you these <laughs> onions <laughs> came undone that's a lot I feel like uh, you have a very dedicated girlfriend here that's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she definitely goes the, through the motions with me with these video games. Uh, um, yeah, so, yeah. If, there, if there was ever a game deserving of like like best style of a game. Mm. It is just so cohesive and so great. I It was one of my favorite games of that year too. Yes. Uh, Tina. Uh, well, I'm going to not say God of War because I know you are. Ooh. So, spoilers. spoilers. Um, <laughs> so I'll say Resident Evil 7. Yeah. Uh, because it's super creepy. Uh, and it was the first for a long time that they kind of like went back to their roots on, mm -hmm. uh, which was cool. And I also just uh, I have a like horror movie and game buddy that I like we just do these things together. We're super into horror. Um, I actually haven't even finished Resident Evil 7 oh, wow. because mm. she scary. needs to be like by my side <laughs> and not covering her eyes. Uh, because that's <laughs> cheating and I need support. Um, but yeah, there's just there's just all these like really, really tense moments and the whole time I'm like squeamish on the edge of my couch and both of us are screaming and it's it's a lot going on. Um, meanwhile, like, you know, the, one of the main uh, enemies in the house is just like slowly walking towards you and I'm just like <laughs> squealing, running it's away. So it's always, yeah, the dad's probably the creepiest yeah. as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Also the grandma. Grandma freaks me out. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. No, I haven't no, gotten no. to anywhere where she's like actually moving aside from just like no, disappearing I, yeah, I and appearing just, places. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just like, something's going to happen with you, and I don't like it already. Did you play it in VR at all? No, absolutely not. No, actually, I did. I tested it out, and um, it was so, like, the response was so laggy, and, like, the, the frame rate was just mm. so awful. I started feeling kind of, like, nauseated, yeah. so, mm -hmm. yeah. And also, yeah, he's, like, right in your face, and yeah. I don't like that. I, I don't want to. <laughs> I did not like that. That's definitely one of the scariest experiences I've had with a game recently. Yeah. It's so... I I haven't finished it either, partially. It's hard to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tom, yeah. what happy game? <laughs> Move on from this. <laughs> so the feel-good game I've picked uh, is Celeste, because I'm predictable. It's funny, because I was actually choosing between Celeste and God of War, which are the two games we gave tens this year. Yep. Uh, you and me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And But no, Celeste is definitely my pick. Um that game affected me emotionally in a very, very real way, and it affected me from a gameplay standpoint of I never thought I'd play a platformer that felt better than Super Meat Boy, to be perfectly frank. Super Meat Boy is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite games ever. And platformers, if you can't tell, hey, I really like platformers. <laughs> um, and this game is 
as close to a platform of perfection as you think you can get when it when it comes to specifically like movement based skill platforming, not uh, combat, not like there's a lot of games that do different things than this that are also phenomenal, phenomenal platformers. But just in terms of getting from point A to point B, I don't think you can get better. And yeah. then on top of that, the story it tells is very emotional. Very emotional and very genuine, and it's a story that I have never really seen in a game this good, yes. if that makes sense. Yep. Like, that was one of the things that caught me about it, was there are a lot of games that tell very, very emotional, deep stories about depression or about finding yourself, about believing yourself, but generally the games that lean into that narrative side of things are not necessarily trying to do much more than that, mm. and this game was doing them both, and neither felt like a side thing, and neither felt like... Uh, like one was more important than the other, right. uh, and and that just really hit me hard. And yep. man, I will love Celeste till the day I die. I've I've beaten every level in it so many times I can't count. I've when it came out on or when I got it on Switch after launch, I replayed the entire thing on Switch, all the levels. Like I, I just love that. Yeah, game. and we were all in like a competition at one point to see like yeah. how yeah. fast, we, doing how that fast we could yeah. do that first oh, level. And, and like I like I remember. Beating Mitchell Saltzman at one point, and it was like right, <laughs> uh, like right over a minute, and then he came at me with like forty-five seconds. So I was like, "All right, well, I give up." Well, it's yeah. a, it's a great it's a great example of a game, and I, I know we got to hurry, but it's a great example of a game where you play the first chapter, it's hard, mm. you die a lot, yeah, you get to the end, and you're like, "Yeah, I did something." Then you beat the game, and you go back to the first chapter, and you're like, "This is easy, like, like this is around and like, nothing." See what we can yeah. do, yeah, and that's in, that's incredible because you don't unlock anything. There's no upgrades in the game except for like the thing you get in the second to last chapter that's right. only for those chapters. Right. Yeah. So the fact that it's it's you don't even realize how much better you're getting until you go back to the old levels is so cool. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty crazy how the message of that game of like wanting to find a way to be better and figure out who you are is sort of built into the game's positive yeah. message and the gameplay itself. It's literally about climbing a mountain yep. to face yourself. Metaphorically and physically. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's great. Uh, if you couldn't have guessed by now... Mine is God of War. Whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah, <No>. sorry. <laughs> uh, Celeste was my game of the year up until I played God of War, and uh, That's I fair. I really yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed the God of War games in the past. Um, I've played through most of them and the ones on PSP as well, uh, and did really enjoy them. But the evolution of this franchise in this game was just so astounding to me when I was playing it through. For review, I would get to like little story beats and little gameplay bits where I was just, I would say out loud to myself, this is special. And the only other person in the room was my girlfriend. Was like, she was looking at her friends like, what are you talking about? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, no, this is special. Like, this is, it meant so much to me, this experience as I was playing it and both in the gameplay and in the story and how it marries those two things so well. Everything in this game, and I talked a little bit about it in the review, it just feels so purposeful. Like, every inch of this world, the characters, their story, the gameplay hooks, all of it feels built out and purposeful but also something that they actually really tested and like narrowed down how to make this work the best we possibly can uh the prime example for me of that is kratos's axe the leviathan axe is one of my favorite weapons in a game in i can't remember how long the feeling of it coming back to you in the controller like the way the rumble feels is so precise and so satisfying that i said in the review but like i just kept throwing that thing in the beginning of the game because i was like <laughs> i just want to see how this thing flies i mean even yeah, like 20 fun. hours in when you're on top of a mountain you're just like let's see like how far we can yeah totally. yeah like, well know. i'm trying to throw it at ravens and i'm like i can arc it through the air like this and yeah. maybe it'll go that way and just the way they do that and the way they layer in the character 
users, the side characters, to not just Kratos and Atreus' story, which is so meaningful and amazingly well told and acted, but these side characters as well. They just feel so fleshed out and so built into this world. Uh, I want Corey to make so many more of these games. Just make them already. Bring God of War 2 slash 5 out already. All right, you've convinced me. I'll play this for a third time this year. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times. Um, yeah, it's absolutely a fantastic game. If you haven't played it already, you probably should. I do it. Say we all agree. Yeah, it's good. So those are some of our favorite games from every PlayStation platform in existence. Thank sorry, you so much, Tina, in sorry, the third PSG. chair. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And where did Tom go in the fourth chair? What a surprise. <laughs> uh, if you're watching, you may notice a difference. And if you're listening, you will now hear the difference. Yes. Uh, Tina had to leave. She had a very important meeting to attend to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we already made her very late for it. Yeah. <laughs> very bad. Yes, yeah. Uh, it's her Parappa the Rapper uh, Yeah, it's thesis. The, she. It, yeah. Well, no, it's not even the thesis. She's trying to get my show canceled so she can do a Parappa the, Parappa the Rapper the show. Yes. show. Uh, good, because exactly. your show is Is that what that's weird. for? I should go join that meeting. I want to support that. <laughs> uh, well, Tom, you're also on the show. <laughs> we are going to round out the show, episode 550, with some viewer questions. Hooray! These questions come from the Podcast Beyond Facebook group. Yes. Ooh. If you're not a member, join that group. It's pretty great. You can so, search... Facebook.com slash group slash uh, oven mint slash uh, dash slash beyond. No, it's uh, not. Three, four, it's seven. not that at all, Barrett. It is uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond. Dash oven mitts. No, no, ignore, <laughs> ignore everything after the dash, and don't put the dash. Uh, these questions come from there. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. Uh, if we didn't we had a lot yours. of them, we had a lot of great ones. Yes, um, a lot of decom questions, which thank you. I we're, we're already running nice late, so we, we had a we had to cut a bunch. Which yes. I, that's that's on me. That's I'm sorry if you if you're mad, you can yell at me. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to yell at him for, so it's yeah. understandable. Uh, first, we're going to start with Andrew McMahon's question: What game could you play for 550 hours? Now, Tina, exactly that amount. So Tina gave us some answers for answers yes. for for all of these, and so the answers she had for this one was uh, Mario Tennis, the aces. PlayStation hit. Yes, Mario the Tennis PlayStation aces. hit <laughs> Mario Tennis Aces. So yeah, it's just a, it, it's a fun fun fad game right now that'll probably die out soon um, because the Bowser Jr. meta is crazy. But yeah. Well, when all uh, PlayStation All Stars Tennis Royale comes out, then you'll see the true game. <laughs> uh, do you have an answer, Barrett? Uh, I was thinking about this, and right now I don't know if I have an answer for like current games. But I would say that I've probably put that amount of time in the original Star Wars Battlefront Two. Nice mm. on the PSP. No, the PlayStation <laughs> Two, the true version of the game. You know that's got working online on PC. I know, you I can, did. Oh, I remember because right I remember going to my friend's house who owned it, uh, like because PC came out later, right? Yeah, and he had it like a couple of years later, and he was playing Battlefront Two with online. And I was like, what? what? When did this happen? I, I was, my mind was like, <laughs> what witchcraft is this? I know exactly. Yeah. I was like, why couldn't I do this on my PS2? And then I learned, you know, because doing online for PS2 was super complicated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom, what about you? Do you have a game? Uh, I have played League of Legends for over 550 hours. Yeah. I don't play League anymore, but mm -hmm. I definitely did that. Uh, I probably got close to that with Minecraft, too, because I was crazy into Redstone stuff for a while. Um, I have a few hundred hours in Terraria. Uh, probably the game that, like, if you had to put me on a desert island and told me to only play that until I hit 550. Mm -hmm. uh, I could probably do that with Slay the Spire right now, okay. which is this deck-building game. Not card game like Hearthstone, but, like, deck-building where you draft cards and you build up a deck and it's very 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 fun right now still in early access on steam but very very good cool 
Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's a current game right now I would play for that long. Uh, I did play God of War for 600 hours before the review. I really did my homework, so wow, I did that. Yeah, I, you know, that's not true. Uh, I would, Schneider fire this man. No, to, please don't. I have, uh, but Spyro's coming uh, and Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> You're too close to this. Yeah, we Spider need Man. We need him for all of those things. To be fair, um, no, he's too close to Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Never. You can't do that to him. I will finally get Kingdom Hearts power. Uh, I would say probably Tetris. Okay. I have definitely put at least 550 hours or. SSX Tricky. I played that for an ungodly amount of time back in the day. I had it on, I think, PS2 and GameCube, uh, and I played it so much. Like, I was actually one of my mom's favorite games, so we Mm -hmm. would play, like, at least two or three races or, like, trick challenge races, uh, competitions against each other at least two or three before dinner every night for, like, three years. That's awesome. That was our, like, go-to, hey, we need to play a game for 20 minutes. We're playing SSX. That's a wonderful One of the more current games, like, uh, that came out on Switch last year. Um, Sorry, I'm just a Switch fanboy. I apologize. Uh, (laughs) But uh, it's the game I have the most hours in on the Switch, which is Mario Kart 8. Which is a hundred. I think right now it's a hundred and sixty hours I have in uh, Mario Kart. So probably by the end of the Switch era, it'll probably be to at least five hundred. And I'll um, I'll be the same with Uncarded when that comes out in twenty twenty. Moving on. So sorry. Emmanuel Alejandro asks, "What is your favorite underrated Disney movie?" Tina, what would you say? Um, very, I'm very smart and I'm very successful and I'm awesome. All those things. And are cool. I would say that there is no underrated Disney movie, but also Big Hero Six. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> Which was exactly what she said before she left. Yes, that was word for word. I'm very impressed. Uh, I would actually kind of agree of like the modern age of Disney. Mm. Big Hero Six kind of gets like the short end of the stick. Like it it's coming to Kingdom Hearts three. It has an animated show on Disney XD. But why now. didn't it never get a proper sequel? You yeah, know? Like, like it's so weird that like when my girlfriend and I watched it from like our experience, like we watched that and it was like. This is this is the new franchise. I like, loved it. Yeah. Do it, and yeah. they never. San Francisco as a so like cool. cityscape. The yeah. the artistry in that city is so gorgeous. I yeah, want it's that really great plastered over my wall, like yeah. this city shot of it. It's amazing. I would say yeah. definitely of like the current era. That's a good a good good answer, Tina. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, our producer in the back uh, helping me this week since I'm on the show, Brian Malkowitz said, uh, "Sword in the Stone." Which mm. I respect. I get that. Yeah. I feel like yeah. it doesn't get like the love that it does deserve mm. as like a classic Disney movie. Yeah. So. Yeah. Tom? Uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. <laughs> it's technically not Disney, though. <sighs> not Disney at the time. But technically still, I I feel like the distributing rights still is weirdly under Fox for some reason. But once Fox is under Disney, (laughs) his answer will be 100% correct. So if you're watching this post-merger, that's my answer. Um, I don't know, man. 2019 when Darksiders is out. I think that one one answer that I might go with is uh, Lion King 1.5. Ooh. So a lot there was yeah. a generation or there was an era where Disney was like let's make sequels to all our amazing movies and they were just all garbage like yeah. they just didn't need to exist but that one is just the Lion King as told from Timon and Pumbaa's side of the story so, yeah. and it's like not a bad movie like it's, it's, it's a very the Rosencrantz and yes. Guildenstern without being like uh there's a play called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead and it's basically that but without the existential crisis yes. in yeah. the yeah. middle of it yeah um yeah 
Yeah, I love that I that's the direction it. they decided to take with that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, mine, I would say, because it is uh, a couple of them are the ones that people who want Kingdom Hearts worlds, these are the ones they say the most. So I'm, <laughs> I just The era of Disney animated movies that uh, sort of were like outside the new renaissance that people talk about. So Atlantis. Atlantis is great. Treasure Planet. Okay, so I was actually thinking Treasure Planet, but I wasn't sure if that was actually Disney. It is. I'm, I'm like 99% sure. Treasure, Atlantis and Treasure Planet, both excellent picks if right not, now. I'm so sorry. Treasure Planet's real fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, those those two sort of stick out to me. Uh, I loved The Emperor's New Groove as a kid. I don't know if it's like a great Disney movie, but oh, I enjoyed it a lot. I think it's absolutely great. No, it's, it's, and it's I haven't watched it since I think it's perfectly rated. You know? yeah, like, I yeah. think it's people have got a good nostalgia for it. It's yeah, not like... that's fair. An instant classic, but it was like a solid late 90s, early 2000s, goofy uh, take on a sort of prince, princess kind of movie, you know? And I wish uh, people who sort of love like classic Disney uh, and the new Renaissance area would just give a little more credit to Hercules. I feel like people our generation love Hercules, but there are people who don't consider it like in the same breath as Little Mermaid and Lion King and stuff. Mm. And I love that movie. Mm. Hercules is really, really good. Um, It's got such a good soundtrack. My answer would be... um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was really trying to think of something snarky to say. But then we'll move on. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, Tahoe Ray Nevada asks, Hey, Tahoe. Hi. Are Tom's pies as good as they look? Tom, you are not allowed to answer this because you have a bias. You do. You make them. And I, I will be the one who's the complete opposite of a bias, which is I've never had Tom's pies. Whoa. I know, and I'm very How? upset. I, br- I don't I, I brought like know. two dozen pies into this office and you've never had a slice? So there was one time where I'm you brought a bunch tonight. of them. I'm making pie tonight. Um, this is what's happening. <laughs> Boy, there's we one point on shows where, where you, people haven't had your pie more often. <laughs> there is <laughs> one point where you brought in a bunch and I was out of the office for some reason mm. for work-related stuff. And then every I feel like every time that you do bring pies in, by the time I finally hear about it or by the time I get to the area where the pies were, they're gone. And I'm oh, like, God. I feel bad about that. It. They do go quickly. They do, because I hear they're amazing and I want to try one. Uh, Tina by proxy did say, of course. Yeah. They're delicious. And I can confirm, I actually didn't have one of your pies until pretty recently, probably the last batch you brought in. Mm. Uh, but I love them and I can't wait for you to make more for Barrett and so I can get an <laughs> extra slice. Uh, Thanks. Our final question of Beyond episode 550 goes to Chris Chamberlain, who asks... What sidekick from any video game franchise would you want to have your back? Tina, from the ether, what was your answer? I forget what she said. <laughs> uh, Potato GLaDOS. Oh, yeah, Potato GLaDOS. Potato GLaDOS, yeah. okay. Or Garrus from Mass Effect, because she's sort of attracted to him, which I think a lot of fair. people are. It's so fair, totally fair. Yeah. Uh, I'm Team Fane, though. Um, I would say Clank from Ratchet and Clank. I love the homie. Uh, he he can like crawl into space and like you know he's he's like the sort of R two D two of that world, but can actually speak and be sassy and funny. And I I would just love to hang out with him and do cool stuff and missions and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna get this wrong. I think her name is Goombella from Paper Mario. No, you're not wrong. I think there's definitely a Goombella in the. The, the, the one, the one that will tell you everything you need to know about things. Like she has her ability is called tattle, and gotcha. you, you tattle, oh, and it yeah. tells you she knows everything. She knows everything. You could look at any person and be like, "Hey, tell me about that dude," and she just like have their life Why history does she know it? alongside knows, their attack and health and weaknesses. <laughs> We're ready to rule the world. Yep. Who was the, uh, this wasn't my exact thought, but now that you've brought Paper Mario up, who was the cloud companion in that game? Cloud uh, 
Yeah, yeah it was definitely Klaus Strife. <laughs> yeah. uh, the purple one? I think so, yeah. She was like the big, blustery yeah. woman. She was like an opera singer or whatever. Yeah. I don't remember her name, mm. but... So I'm only saying her right now and being reminded of her because I, in like sixth grade, had to write an essay for like some like placement class thing. And I wrote a... You had to write a short story. And I wrote one based on that character and her world. So this is the equivalent of the parabola. Wow. Like your yeah. equivalent to the parabola. Yeah, that was... The thesis. I had no idea that was going to be a question on the test where it was like, because it was a creative writing sort of thing. And they were like, but it, the final question was, write a short story of like 400 words. And I'm like, uh, I was just playing Paper Mario. That one's a cool character. Clouds are great. Here we go. That's and amazing. I, wrote that I really like that, actually. I, I want to read Jonathan Dornbush's uh, Paper Mario fanfic really badly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> first, I'll give you my Harry Potter fanfic, and then we can talk. Yes. Um, yeah, I will choose that right now because I feel like any other sidekick choice would be too generic. Clank was definitely on my list as well. Uh, not Donald <clears throat> in Kingdom Hearts because that dude dies like straight up in five minutes every fight. Like he is the first to go down. He's a terrible. Yeah, and he, I want. I want. He never heals you when you need him to. I want Atreus, but only in his moody phase in the middle of the game where he's like doesn't. Oh, listen that's to the me. worst part. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I want that to give myself a challenge. I want to whip see him into shape. I like the idea of like. Tom, the joyful man, and Atreus, the the, the moody little like, you got preteen. You, you got to admit, it's a sitcom <clears throat> in the making. Yeah, it is. Oh, it I really is. Uh, thank you so much, Chris, for that question. Thank you to Andrew, Emmanuel, Tahoe, and everyone else who asked questions that we could not get to on episode. 550 of beyond uh if you've made it this far in the show thank you so much for listening we are pretty far along thank you so much for for hanging out with us for 550 uh i know we're not the usual cast of characters on this show but you know we're also prepping for comic-con so max and brian are you know uh working really hard to hard at work yes hard at work they're Uh, writing the entire show they are so please watch that show uh so (laughs) comic-con will be fun and that's where Almost all of us will be next week. Yeah, uh, and so That's next week. Wow, I know. <laughs> Don't. Oh God. Uh, so Max and Brian will be back uh, next week for Beyond and whatnot. So yeah, uh, we were just sort of we came together because we knew we wanted to do something. You know, at least something fun and goofy for five fifty. So <laughs> look and, back on our favorite memories. And so we figured, hey, let's do this while you know we let the adults who are usually on this show uh, sort of like let them do their work and not have to worry about yeah. 550. So if you've been listening to this episode all the way through, thank you. You've made it to the bonus secret ending. Dude, uh, I didn't get told. I thought you wanted me on. I thought you valued my opinion. Oh, now, no, absolutely. Now, no, I, no, no, no. I get it. I'm a pinch hitter. No, Whatever. No, Whatever. <laughs> Maybe for you, Barrett. No, absolutely, Tom. You were, no, Tom, uh, I really wanted to have you on the show. I think we have awesome in-office discussions about games all the time. I get it. I and and you're the like one of the nostalgic boys. You yeah. Know? So mm-hmm. that's why we're like, yeah. when we came up with because this part of the topic order. of the show was not thought of until we had to Keep bring digging it in. the hole. Keep <laughs> digging the hole. All right. With your shovel night shovel. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Join me and Tom on our toenail no, podcast this Thursday. <laughs> this is devolved. Uh, I do want to say, though, before we wrap up, if you're listening, thank you so much. Um, I've been listening to Beyond as a fan. I was listening since episode one. And so it means a lot for me to be here. 25 years ago. Yeah, 25 years ago when I was two. Or one? One. I don't know how time works. Uh, maybe two. Uh, thank you so much for listening as a fan so long for the show to be here, to be celebrating this big milestone episode, and to have celebrated 549 Live with so many amazing fans. Meant so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to all of our goofy reminiscing. If you love the show, remember, Beyond is now found at beyond.ign.com on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific. You can listen to it on all other platforms, watch it on YouTube, listen to it on iTunes or any other podcast streaming services around the world. 
on Thursdays, 24 hours later. Yes. So be sure to come to beyond.ign.com to get all of the PlayStation news first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and if you're watching on any of those many platforms, be sure to rate, subscribe, tell your friends. That is how the show survives. Set notifications for YouTube so you exactly. know whenever a new episode goes up. Ring that bell, as the kids say. <laughs> for that. It's a new lingo thing. Yeah. Uh, but thank you so much for listening to Beyond Episode 550. My name is Jonathan Dornbush. Thank you, Barrett Courtney. Thank you, Tom Marks. Thank you, Tina Amina Amini. I was going to say, not a meanie, a meanie, and then I messed up myself. Thank you, Tina. Beyond. (laughs) Beyond. 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 Beyond.